Great to see you this morning. We are beginning this morning a uh, new series entitled uh, Putting the Pieces Together. And uh, in your seat, uh, one of two or three different types of puzzles uh, were placed in your seat. Now, I, I, I know that if, if you got one of these pieces, it's hard to tell that it's a piece of a puzzle, but it actually is, okay? Just got to trust me. But the reason that I had these placed in your seat and the reason that they are blank is that over the next few weeks, we are going to go through different pieces of the puzzle that make you up to find out who you are, to, to try to grasp how God puts you together and who you are in Christ or in God. And for us to understand that, first and foremost, we've got to understand who he is. And so uh, the puzzles, the pieces are in front of you. Um, hopefully, sometime during this message, God will speak to you, not me just talking about what God has said, but God will speak to you, and you can write down that word, that phrase, or that verse that you need to take with you um, this week that you can hold on to. And that uh, God can continue to uh, grow you and grow me and let us understand who he is and who we are in him. If you have a Bible, turn to Exodus chapter 3. <clears throat> this morning we are going to look at the great I am. And that is the name that he shared with his people out of Exodus chapter 3. He shared it. From a burning bush, and uh, we will see that, but uh, that is not the miracle that um, he has for Israel that day. That's not the miracle that he has for you or for me today. As I was putting this sermon together, I was uh, doing some research on the internet about baby names, how we come up with names, how people are named, and how... Those names kind of fit us. And I remember back to our firstborn. His name is Nathan. And uh, when we were going through names, I might have told you this like 72 times. Maybe it'll stick. But, but I, I might have told you this before. I can't remember. But when we were going through, here's how we got his name. Paige had 10 names and I had 10 names on a list. And we sat down and we had told each other, hey, you got three automatic X's. Okay, three automatic X's. If you say no, then that's it. And I put down as a part of my 10, Tychicus, Epaphrodites, that's wrong, Epaphroditus, not the goddess. I put down um, three names that I just knew that she would hate, and she automatically did X, X, and it was over. And I was like, all right, so I got a good shot, a little better shot at getting the name that I want. Yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> and then she started naming her names. And as I was thinking about it, I was, I was watching this video on, uh, on YouTube this week that uh, how this couple named their daughter. They came down to three names. All of them started with L. And they had the lady, had the baby had the baby girl, everything was great. The nurse came in and said, all right, it's time to get a name. 
and it was Lacey or Lucy. That, those were the two names that both of them had agreed upon. One like Lacey, that was the husband, and one like Lucy, that was the wife or the mom. And she said, hey, I, I mean, I just gave birth to this girl. Please, it, please let me name her. And he's like, how can I argue with that? So her name's Lucy. When you and I name a name, when your parents named you, when you named your kids, you had something in you that wanted to pass that along. And God's the same way. But it's even more than that when God names someone. Think about Adam and Eve. Adam named her Eve because she was the mother of all the living. God came along in Genesis chapter 12 and he said, Hey, Abram, I'm going to change your name. Because you're not just going to be the father of a great nation. You're going to be the father of multiple nations. Abraham. And then he took jo uh, Jacob and he said, Hey, Jacob, you're no longer a hill grabber. You're, you're no longer this person who is a trickster. I'm changing your name to Israel. Because you're going to be a people and a father after my name. And God decided in Exodus chapter 3 for the first time to describe himself to one of his own. Read with me in verses 1 through 6 of Exodus chapter 3. I'm getting ahead of myself. We need to read another verse. There was a verse before that. I'm fired up about a cricket this morning. In, in Psalm 910, Psalm 910, uh, this past week I was reading my quiet time, and the psalmist David wrote these words. He said, and those who know your name, they put their trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. For those who know you, they put their trust in you. And that's all that I'm asking for us to think about, for us to look at this morning, for us to come to this understanding, for us to come to this knowledge of knowing your name. And in the Hebrew and also in the Greek, in the Old Testament and also in the New Testament, that word know is to experience, to grab a hold of this name. And he's going to show us his name in this passage this morning. Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord, is that what your version states? There's a capital L and then there is just a little smaller, but it's still a capital O and a capital R and a capital D. Every time you see that as you're reading Scripture, when you see that, it is this name that he is about to disclose to them. It is this name. It is Yahweh. And that name is a personal name for Almighty God. And it's actually, should I say terrible? Yeah, I'll say it. It's actually terrible in English that we don't have that name written. 6,828 times in the Old Testament, that name, Lord, L-O-R-D, with capital letters, is written. But we don't think of it as a name, because that is a title. 
His name, the literal translation would be Yahweh, which is a personal covenantal God, is speaking to Moses in this passage. And Yahweh appeared to him. Yahweh appeared to him in a flame of fire and in the midst of the bush. And Moses looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I wonder what that is. I'll look at it next week. No, he, he said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when Yahweh, when Yahweh saw that he turned aside to see, God, different word, different name, it's the name Elohim, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place in which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face. For he was afraid to look at God. Heavenly Father, as we uh, see this story unfold in Exodus chapter 3. God, I pray that River Bend and all the individuals of who we are. That we would know your name and we would trust you. Because you are faithful. And you don't hide yourself from any of those of us who seek you. So, Father, would we seek you today? Would you show us who you are in such a way that we might see, that we might know, experience the God of all gods and the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords? We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. The first point this morning is this, that it's all about the name. It's all about the name. Moses thinks that his life is over. He's 80 years of age. The first 40 years he spent in the palace there in Egypt with Pharaoh as a grandson adopted into the family of Pharaoh. As a grandson of Pharaoh's. And for 40 years that's how he lived. And then as he goes out one day he sees who he really is. He's, no, he's not an Egyptian. He, he's a, a Hebrew. He's not one of the ones who is ruling. But his people are the ones that are being beaten. His people are the ones that are building the pyramids. His people are the ones who are slaves. God shows that to him and... Then he takes things into his own hands. And as he does that, he kills an Egyptian and he runs. And now for 40 years, he has been on the backside of Midian on the, in the wilderness out of all the places in the world. No one would find him there. For 40 years, he's a shepherd. For 40 years, he's doing what his father-in-law ask of him to do to tend his sheep and one day he wakes up just like he had for 40 years previous 
and he's taking the sheep to the watering hole or he's taking the sheep to the pasture and he sees this bush and the bush is burning. And he doesn't freak out about it because he has seen bushes burn before. It's in the wilderness. It's hot. It's the desert. But there's something different about this bush. This bush is burning. But it's not burning. Y'all understand? I mean, there's flames in the bush. And it is burning, yet it is not burning. It is not being consumed. And therefore, he says, hey, I I think I want to go over here and check this out. Wouldn't you? And so he does. And as he does that, as he goes and checks this bush out, God shows up and says to him, Hey, my name is Yahweh. My name is the Lord Almighty. My name is a covenantal name for Almighty God. One commentator stated it this way, talking about God's name. The most common and most important name of God in the whole of the Old Testament is this name, Yahweh. How do we know this? 6,800 times. You know the next most used name for God is Elohim, G-O-D, and it is 2,500 times. This one, 6,800 times in the Old Testament. Yahweh is God's proper name. Yahweh is the name that he discloses himself. He shows himself to his people. And Moses hears that name. Would you hear that name today? Would you hear the name Yahweh? Second point as we're trying to understand this name, is the meat of the story, so to speak. And we're going to get there. And the second point is this. It's not about you. It is about him. It's not about you. It is about him. You have questions, don't you? Always questions. There's questions from, what am I going to eat for lunch today? There are questions about what is this or why is that? Where are we going? How long is it going to take? Why? When are we going to be finished? How in the world can I do this? Who am I? Question. These are questions that Moses had. They are also questions that you and I have. Moses didn't think that he was of any count. Misplaced for 40 years on the sidelines. That's how he was going to finish out his days. He did not know that he still had 40 years to live. He did not know that he was about to be taken out of the pasture, out of the wilderness, and placed back in the palace. He did not know that he was about to trade a herd of sheep for some dumb Israelites who all they did was complain and grumble. He did not know that the 40 years that he had just spent in the wilderness were those years were preparing him for the 40 years that he was about to spend in the wilderness with hundreds of thousands, more than likely over a million people. 
leading them. He didn't think that he was of any count. He thought that his days passed. Moses was asking about himself. Read with me these words as he's asking about himself. I'm going to start in verse 7. And uh, then we'll skip down some. And uh, we'll pick the story back up down in verse 10 or 11. But here's what it says. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, a place. And all these ites are there, okay? We're going to move on. Verse 10. Talking to Moses, he says, Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, here's the question, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? God said, But I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Get the picture. The picture is this. Moses says, who am I, Lord? Here's the question. What do I have to do with this? I've got all these sheep for 40 years. I've been out here and I've, I've been taking care of them and everything is fine. Everything is good. I'm okay. And God says, it's not about you. No, it's about me. Well, God, it's, it's, it's about me. Because this job that I have is not fulfilling. This spouse that I have is not fulfilling. This life that I have is not fulfilling. This family that's around me is not fulfilling. God, this lunch that I just ate is not fulfilling. And God's like, no, no, it's not about you. River Bend, that you and I would understand that. It is not about you. It's the greatest line out of the book of The Purpose Driven Life. It is the first line that Rick Warren wrote as he wrote the book. Hey, this life, your life, my life, it's not about you. And God's trying to get that across to an 80-year-old. Hardened, farmer, shepherd, out on the backside of nowhere, Moses says, who am I? And God says, oh, no, 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 no. It's not you. I'm going to be with you. God says to Moses, son, it's, it's not about you. It's about me. Moses says to God, God, I, 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 I can't. I, I stutter. And God says, who formed that tongue in your mouth? Oh, yeah, it was me. Don't you think if I formed it, I can make you talk? Moses says to God, if I go and talk to your people, who should I say sent me? Look there in verse 13. That's what he's asking. Then Moses said to God, if I come to this people of Israel and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what's his name? What shall I say to them? Oh, this is about to get good, folks. Get on the edge of your seats. I'm telling you, it's about to get good. Questions. God, if I go. All right, let's just say I go. If I go up there and I start talking to him and I say, hey, God told me, who should I say sent me? Well, what, what's your name, God? Now, let's stop. Time out. 
Who are these people? Oh yeah, they're God's people. They're the Israelites. They're the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're the descendants of Joseph and all of his brothers. Should they not know that God? Yeah, they should. But you know what? They've been living in a land that has changed their hearts. They've been living in a land and living lives for generations now that have mingled with and meshed and come together with a culture that did not know God. And so it's really a good question. And Moses said, "Uh, God, if I go, who should I say? What is your name of the person who sent me? And God's about to say something and then just do the proverbial mic drop. God says to Moses, I am who I am. Mic drop. That's really not a mic drop. Oh, yeah, it is, if you know that name. It's the greatest mic drop that has ever happened. It goes past Obama. It goes past everybody else that has ever dropped a mic after they stated a statement. God says to Moses in verse 14, I am who I am. And he said, God said this, Say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Yahweh and I am are tied together. Yahweh and I am, those two words, those two names are tied together because they have the same root. It's Hayah, H-A-Y-A-H. I know it's not Hebrew class. I barely passed it myself. But those two names are tied together. When Yahweh and Hayah come together, I am who I am, God is saying to you and he's saying to me, hey, here's who sent you, Moses. Hey, Israel, here's who's coming to save you. I am. Probably the same response they gave when they heard it the first time in Egypt. What? Well, let's talk about it for a second. I am who I am states that God exists. God was desiring to remind Israel for they had forgotten that he was God. They had forgotten that he existed. They had been so tied up in making... uh, these bricks to put on top of a brick to put on top of a brick. I talk about mundane, 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 Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the same thing every single day for their whole lives. That's what they were doing. Where's God? Well, same place he is today, ruling and reigning. But they got so caught up with the brick after brick after brick. And maybe that's where you are. So caught up. Here's what's happening Monday. Let me pull up my calendar. Here's what's happening Tuesday. Let me pull up my calendar. Here's what's going on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then we get to start it all over again. And God interjects into this life and says, hey, I am who I am. It states that he exists. God desires to remind Israel and to remind you and me that he is alive and well and that he has heard their prayers. I am who I am also states that God is present. He is present at all times. He is present now. He was present last night. He is present forever and ever and ever. 
John Piper wrote it this way, asking the question, why is God the way he is? This is good. Why is God the way he is? Is like asking me, when are you going to stop beating your wife? It's an unanswerable question. It's an unanswerable question because it assumes a state of affairs that does not exist. I am not beating my wife, so I cannot stop. And there is nothing behind or outside of God that could be an answer to the question why he is the way that he is. He has always been. There has never been a moment in all of existence past, nor will there ever be a moment in existence in the future that he will not exist. He is, I am, ever present, there, here, Forever and ever and ever. I am states that he exists, that he is present. I am that I am or I am who I am states that God is an objective truth. I've stated it to you this way before. Every single one of us have gone up and down the aisles of a supermarket. As we go up and down the aisles of a supermarket, there are aisles that uh, we like to go down. Candy aisle, sugar cereal cereal aisle, and there are aisles that I don't like to go down, and you don't like to go down as well. Some of those are like sugar cereal cereal. Say that ten times. Five. Sugar cereal aisle. I still can't say it. But there are aisles that you like to go down, and there are aisles that you don't. You can't do that with God, though. You have to take every single attribute that He is, or you don't have God. Well, I like his love. I like his forgiveness. I like him being faithful. I like that he is one who forgives. I don't like his judgment. I don't like that he rules and he is sovereign. Sorry. If you take any of those attributes out, you don't have God. The objective truth is this, that you can't Put in your subjectiveness, your, I like this aspect of him, and I like that aspect of him, but I don't want that or that aspect. No. I am who I am states to you, River Bend, to me. This objective truth. And that matters. And it is to this end that God is saying to Moses, You can do this because of me, not because of you. It's not because of you that you can go and stand in front of Pharaoh, more than likely your half-brother now. It's not because of you that you can go do this because you are one of the Israelites. No, it's because of me. I am sending you there. Here is the message that I have for you. Go and do it. When we come to this point, when we come to the point that we see this, when we come to this point and we know Him, when we experience Him, we see that it is about Him and not about us. Which brings us to a third and final point this morning. Right after this occurs. Right after verse 15, when He says, excuse me, verse 14, I am who I am, and He said... Say this to the people of Israel that I am has sent you, sent me to you. 
God also said to Moses in verse 15, Say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Go, gather the elders of Israel together, verse um, 16. And say to them, the Lord, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and Isaac and of Jacob, has appeared to me saying, I have observed you. And that has been done and all that has been done to you in Egypt. And I promise I will bring you up. I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites and all those other ites. In verse 18, and they will listen to your voice. And you and the elders of Israel shall go into the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. And now please let us go three days' journey into the, into the wilderness that we might sacrifice to the Lord our God. Catch this. I know, God says. I know that Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, will not let you go. Unless he is compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor. Israel, I will give Israel favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty. Third point this morning, trust him. Because you know him. Trust him. Because you know him. You've experienced him. Church, you know him. How he has shown himself to you. What all that he has done for you. You know him. remember where we started I tried to forget it I tried to skip it but where we started was Psalm 910 for those who know your name they put their trust in you God is saying to Moses God is saying to Israel through Moses that I will do this Israel will you trust me sir will you trust him you don't know what I'm going through doesn't matter. Will you trust him? You don't know all the stuff. Doesn't matter. Will you trust him? Because if you know him, if you've experienced him, you'll trust him. The school year is here. It has begun for most, and it is about to begin for the rest. You know what God's saying to you? I'll get you through it. God, you don't know what I'm going through. Yeah, I'll get you through it. You don't know that subject, that subject that's, that I struggle with. I'll get you through it. The job is tough. God says, I'll bring you through this task. I'll give you the wisdom, the patience, the endurance to be able to work with this person or to be able to work for that boss. Just trust me. Marriage is struggle. 
God says, if you'll be mine, I'll work through it. I'll get you through it. I'll bring this about if you trust me. Not your spouse, not yourself, but if you trust me, I'll get you through it. Kids going crazy? I know. Got two of them. Scream until they're six months old, like, oh, please, just hush. Scream as a two-year-old, a three-year-old, please, just hush. Keep you up at night because they want a bottle when they're young. Keep you up at night when they're getting older because they're gone. In the house, out of the house. God says, I got this. If you trust me. Parents, on your last nerve, I know. I am one and I was one of you. God says, if you trust me, I got this. The only way that you can do this life is if you know Him and you know Him experientially. Some of us here have bowed the knee. Some of us have confessed with our mouths that He is Lord, that He took our place on the cross, that he paid for our sin, every last one of them. Some of us here have accepted that. Some of us here have come to the point in our lives to say, hey, Lord, thank you. Jesus, thank you for paying for my sin. And we have trusted him with our eternity. We have trusted him with the things that last forever. But you're not living as if He exists today. You're like, Lord, thank you for eternity, but I got Tuesday. Okay? Don't need you button in with what's going on in my life right now. Thank you for what you're going to do when I stand before you. But I don't care what you think about Thursday. That's my day. You can't have it that way. Some here have never given their lives to Him. For you, trusting Him is surrendering your life. For you, trusting Him is giving your everything to Him. Acknowledging that Jesus took your place and paid the price for your sin. Confessing with your mouth, believing in your heart that He died for you. That God rose Him from the grave. That He raised Him from the grave. That you might live forever. And ever. The question is, do you trust Him? The question for both of us, those that have accepted Him and those that have not, do you trust Him? The great I Am. He showed Himself in a bush to Moses. He showed Himself in the form of His Son. He took your place. Because you couldn't do it. He loved you so much that he died so that you might live. And if you know him, you'll trust him. And if you know him, you get one of those pieces. 
to figure out who you are. Heavenly Father, I bow. God, I thank you for passages like Exodus chapter 3 to help us see the different pieces of who we are. Different pieces of who you are. God, I ask that as we come to a time of of song, a time of response, that God, you would speak. God, I've asked all along that you would speak. That Father, you would speak in such a way that we would understand exactly, clearly, what you have for us. God, that we would respond to you for the first time, if if that's it, or this time that we would come back to you and we would surrender afresh and anew today, Monday, Tuesdays of our lives, not just forever and eternity out in the future, but today. God, you work. God, you draw us close to you. God, you show us who you are, the great I am, so that we, your people, might worship you, for you are worthy of it. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. You stand and respond.